It is Chav Sivan, Tav Shim Pei Beis, 20th of Sivan, 5782, Motzei Shabbos here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg. And I have to say that while I certainly did expect to find several connections between Parsha Shavua, Daf Yomi, and other Inyana Dioma, after all, I did launch this series on the podcast for that reasons, to highlight all the Hashkacha Pratis that emerges from the connections and all the interesting Torah insights from these connections. But what I did not expect and what I did not predict was how rapidly these connections would reveal themselves, nor did I predict the incredible chidushin that would emerge from this shear as we're about to reveal today. This Shabbos in Chutzla Aretz we lay in Parshas Baha'a and tomorrow's daf, Mesechus Yivamos, is daf Kuf Dalid 104. But before I get to tomorrow's daf, I want to just look back at today's daf, which we highlighted in the last share, the last episode of this series. And although I was not sure myself if the connection I drew was a stretch, if it was forced, I'll tell you a quick story that happened today when I got to shul. A friend of mine who also happens to be a Magid Shir in Daf Yomi, he asked me, did you notice the connection between the Daf and the Parsha? And indeed, it was the connection of Tsaras, the Tsaras on Miriam, and the Tsaras that appeared in, uh, in the Daf. And even though, obviously, the manifestation of Tsaras was different, um, he also noticed the connection, knows nothing about this series. So uh, that, that was a confirmation for me that I wasn't just seeing things. But further confirmation that I was not just seeing things was what I noticed on tomorrow's Daf and Daf Kuf Dalid as the connections between Saras and Miriam and our Masechda, Masechus Yevamos, and the Inyan of Chalitza start to sink so much deeper, so much deeper that it's overwhelming. And I'm going to be honest, I thought of the connection, and at first I thought it was a stretch, and then I thought about it more, and I looked into it, and it's not by any means a stretch, but in fact it is a mind-blowing Rabbeinu Bachia. And I know that this is the third Parshas Baha'a connection that we are drawing, and I, I promise you I'm not trying to milk it, Bli Nader, um, but this will, Bli Nader, be the last Baha'a connection, at least for this Parsha HaShavua cycle. But the Mishnah and the Gemara uh, had been discussing a Machlokas, of chalitza and whether chalitza, the ceremony performed by a woman whose husband is deceased, and she's not going through with the lever of marriage with the brother-in-law, which is what lechatzchila should have been done, but he has rejected her, so they're going through chalitza, the removal of the shoe and the removal of her from the bond to the brother-in-law. Fine. So the gemara had been discussing um, whether chalitza can be performed at night, and in the first of Three connections we're going to draw from this daf and our parsha is that the Gemara suggests um, the possibility of whether or not rivim or monetary litigations, such as chalitza, which involves her achieving the estate and the ksuba from the, the original husband, so whether or not these could be compared to negaim, um, the the affliction of tsaras, which can only be um, officiated during daytime. So that is connection number one. Connection number two, and they're going to get better as we go along, but the Gemara and the Mishnah had also discussed whether or not chalitza can be done on the left foot, 
right, the shoe that has to come off of the foot of the Avam, can it be done with the left foot? It's supposed to be done on the right foot. But whether or not it can be done with the left foot, so the Gemara suggests and questions whether or not we darshan a shava, um, a, a rule in Scripture, and in Gemara that we find, where you find uh, two words that make a connection, and because of those two words, we might compare the halachos. And the Gemara questions whether or not we darshan regel regel from mitzora, the regel of the yavam, and then there's the regel, the foot of the mitzora, in the ceremony for the purification of the mitzora. They, um, they, there's blood that is smeared on the right of the toe, of the big toe of the right foot of the Mitzorah. And once again, the Gemara questions whether or not there should be a connection between this case of Chalitza and the case of Mitzorah. But the third connection is most incredible. And this connection was the first one that I actually noticed, the one that I thought might be a stretch, and we're going to see it is by no means. But the mission in the Gemara discusses whether or not the Rakika, the act of spitting, that is done in the ceremony of Chalitza is that Ma'akev. Right, what's supposed to happen during Chalitza is that the woman, the Avama, she's supposed to spit on the floor in front of the Yavam, in front of her brother-in-law. And why that is we'll have to discuss soon. But the Mishnah and the Gemara discusses whether or not this part of the ceremony is Ma'akev, meaning is it absolutely mandatory or can the ceremony be officiated um, effectively without this act of spitting? Now, what I did notice is that in our Parsha with Miriam, we find a reference to none other than spitting. In fact, I noticed three different times in the Torah where we have a reference to spitting. Two of those references in the Torah are specifically in reference to someone spitting in front of someone else. And if you find another one in the Torah, please let me know. You can reach out to me at the database at gmail.com. That's the data than base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. The same place to reach out to me if you want to give a sponsorship or you have questions, comments, concerns, or recommendations for sure. I'm like this and others in the podcast. That's the database at gmail.com. But these are the only three times I noticed in the Chamisha Chumshe Torah that we have spitting, and I'll, I'm going to enumerate them soon. But... The one time that we have it, once again, is the, the chalutza, the, the avama. She spits in front of the avam. And in our parsha, after Miriam is stricken with Saras and Moshe Rabbeinu prays for her, Hashem says something really strange. He says, well, if her father were to spit in front of her, um, would she not be embarrassed and, and would she not um, close herself away for seven days? So that's exactly what should happen to Miriam. She should be quarantined. She should be isolated for seven days. So we have one spitting in Kiseitse with the Avama, and we have another spitting in Baaloscha. Hashem suggests a possibility of, of Miriam's father spitting in front of her. Okay, interesting. Two, two cases of spitting. Is this a stretch? Nope, it's not. But before we explain why it's not, we have to try to understand our context in Baaloscha just a little bit. First of all, what exactly does Hashem mean when he, he describes Miriam's father spitting at her? We know at this time in history, Miriam's father, Amram, is no longer alive. Um, so this is all theoretical. And Chazal learned out a special kavachomer from Miriam's father's theoretical spit, that, um, that um, if her father would spit at her, she would be embarrassed, she would close herself away for seven days. And maybe we could argue that the Shechina embarrassing her like that, being um, you know showing the sign of disgust. So 
we, the, the same thing should be true, maybe even 14 days. But, you know, we're not, we're, uh, for the Kavachomer, for the purposes of this 40 or your argument, we're going to suggest that she should only um, sequester herself for the same amount of time, and it would just be seven days. Now, you look at the Ibn Ezra on, on this line in Baha'u'llah. The Ibn Ezra just says, yeah, we're treating her like a Mitzora. Mitzora has uh, at least seven days. Even after they are healed, they have seven days before they return. So if that's the case, if we're just treating her like a Mitzora, the Torah should just say, yeah, you treat her like a Mitzora. That's it. Why do we need this, this strange analogy of a father spitting in her face? So why, why, does, why, why do we have that in our Pasuk? And also, a question to consider is why exactly in the case of chalitza does the woman spit in front of the man? What, what, like, what's the reason for that? So in terms of Miriam and the relationship to her father, the Dasikanim points out that presumably the, the Chumash is speaking and Hashem is speaking in these theoretical terms to say that had Amram been alive, he would obviously have disapproved of what Miriam had done. And, and if, if, had he sp- spat at her, uh, then obviously she would have been embarrassed. And so, of course, Hashem is prepared to draw this Kavachomer. And the, an additional reason and a layer of significance to, the, to, to this idea of the father spitting in front of, of uh, Miriam, of Amram spitting in front of Miriam, Sadasa Kanem reminds us that there was a time that Chazal report that Amram expressed displeasure when he tapped Miriam um, in disapproval when he was upset that Moshe Rabbeinu had to be put in the basket, that, that they had to get rid of him because they, they thought he was going to die, that he was going to be thrown into the, into the Nile. And he said, hey, where's your prophecy now? Interestingly enough, we see an interesting connection between that and what happens in this story of Lashon Hara where Miriam seems to take a jab at Moshe Rabbeinu's level of nevuah, of his level of prophecy, and the same disapproval seems to be coming from Hashem as if to say, hey Miriam, where's your prophecy now? The level of prophecy that you think you have, which is nowhere near Moshe Rabbeinu's level, and um, in this lesson that Hashem is teaching her, maybe that's a means for at least of a connection between um, the spitting that's happening um, with Miriam and the relationship to Amram. However, that doesn't, what that does not completely explain is what that has to do with Chalitza. But the Rebbeinu Bachia, on this particular piece, the Rebbeinu Bachia on Bahalosra, he says, well, why are we referencing the, this concept of spitting, that if your father would spit in front of you? So Rebbeinu Bachia just points out what we might have noticed ourselves, is that spitting in front of someone is obviously a sign of disgrace, and the Rebbeinu Bachi just says, yeah, in the esode of this, this level of disgrace, this manifestation of disgrace, can be found in the mitzvah of Yibum and, of course, Chalitza. And that's all the Rebbeinu Bachi says. Now, let's go over to the spitting that's found in Yibum and Chalitza. When the, when the, uh, the perspective Chalitza, when the Yavama spits in front of her brother-in-law. Why exactly does she do that? So the Baal Turim just points out that spitting in front of the Yavim, actually represents the zera, the seed of the deceased brother that's not being perpetuated. And he points this out, the Baal Turim explains that spit has a similar din, similar halacha to tumah that emerges from zera. Uh, so if you look in Parshas Mitzorah, and this is the other time in the Torah that we find a spit in reference to a zav and a zava, different kinds of impure individuals, and their spit carries tumah. So we see there's a connection between zera and spit. And this spit symbolizes, the woman spitting symbolizes the seed of the deceased husband, the brother of this yavam, that's not being perpetuated. It's just being wasted on the ground, as it were. 
That's what the Baal term says. He bases his off of Gemara and Nida. Now you look at the Rebbeinu Bachia again, and this Rebbeinu Bachia can be found in Parshas Kiseitze, where we find his comments on Chalitza. And the Rebbeinu Bachia explains that the spit in front of the Yavam is supposed to be a, it's supposed to be a bizayon. It's supposed to be an embarrassment to him because he is neglecting the mitzvah to perpetuate his brother's name. So we see what appears to be a universal sign of disapproval, of disgrace, spitting in front of someone. It happens to Miriam, and it happens to the Yavam. But what exactly does the spit that represents the zera of the brother, what does that have to do with Miriam and the Lashon Hara that she spoke? Like, well, what does any of this have to do with her? So now we return to the Rebbeinu Bachia's comments back in Baha'aloscha, where the Rebbeinu Bachia explains that, yeah, if, Am- if Amram were alive, obviously he would be disgusted by the Lashon Har that's spoken about his child. Anytime someone speaks Lashon Har about someone else's child, they, they, they disapprove. And especially if the slander is coming from a sibling of the other child. So obviously there's disapproval, there's disgust. And in the same vein, says the Rabbeinu Bachia, Hashem is disgusted with the Lashon Hara that's being spoken about his trusted Navi. Now, obviously, both Miriam and Moshe Rabbeinu are children of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And, the, well, and what, what Miriam has done in this particular story is not being tolerated. It's unacceptable. But once again, what does any of this have to do with Chalitza? So if I could summarize in just three words, what is the connection between the failure of Miriam and the failure of the Yavam, and the failure is l'hakim l'achiv shame, to uphold the name of one's brother. This is exactly what the Pasuk Vayibum explains, the Pasuk Vayibum and Chalitza, that the one who does not go through with Yibum, but instead he wants to release this woman and not perpetuate the legacy of his brother, he fails l'hakim l'achiv shame, to fulfill, to uphold the, the legacy, the reputation of his brother. What does one do when they speak Lashon Hara about someone else? They fail to uphold the reputation, the name of their brother. And that's exactly what Miriam did. Like a, like a, almost like a Yavam who's not going through with Yavam because he doesn't want to have that, he, he, he doesn't want to perpetuate the name of his brother. So he cuts off the Zara right then and there and we spit in front of him and say, this is what you're doing. When someone speaks Lashon Hara about someone else, even though Miriam loved Moshe Rabbeinu and she respected Moshe Rabbeinu, but when you say something that's going to cause any shemetz, any trace of negativity, any besmirching of someone else's legacy, of someone else's name, so it's like you're cutting off their zera. You're cutting off their legacy. You are hurting their legacy. And obviously Moshe Rabbeinu didn't care for himself, which is why Hashem came out and did this. The father came out and said, this is disgusting spitting in front of Miriam, as it were, with this tzara'as. And this is the connection between the mitzorah and the yavam, who does not go through with yibum, but instead goes for chalitza, the, the, the zera that's spit in front of them, the lashon hara. How can you stand there and let your brother's name be smirched? Let the brother's zera, his shame, his reputation be completely cut off. No, in today's day and age, we don't have Yibam anymore. We don't have Yibam because maybe our Kavana is not in the right place to do Yibam. And that is because, in a certain sense, we are disconnected from having the right Kavana. We don't really represent our brothers the way we should, and we have all these ulterior motives. And the last thing we think about, perhaps, is the, is the reputation of our friends. 
And even though we don't have Yibam and Chalitza, unfortunately, has to happen nowadays, we certainly still have the problem of Lashon Hara. We, yeah, we don't have Tsaras anymore, right? But we still have the problem of Lashon Hara, where we stand idly by while our neighbor's reputation is being hurt, or while we perpetuate that negative reputation instead of perpetuating the name of our brother the right way. These are the spittings in the Torah and how much we've learned. And I hope you enjoyed this. In the meantime, Stay tuned and stay attuned to all the exciting in Yana Diomi. Thank you for joining us here at the database.